Well, let's pray uh, and just uh, celebrate what God's done. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this story. We thank you for the hope that is found uh, and that it is not some fairy tale, but that it is a point in history that is recorded for us to know that it changes the future. Lord, our future is sealed up because of something you did in history past. Not in a make-believe world, but in the real world. And I thank you that you didn't stay away from us. I thank you that you came close. That's in your name we pray. Amen. Um, the Gospel of Luke is an interesting uh, letter in that it is the only one that really houses the birth of Jesus narrative. Matthew gives us a little bit of detail. Uh, Mark and John really don't even touch it. But Luke gives us great detail about the actual birth of Christ. And I'm very thankful that he did what he did. And it's interesting because Luke's letter, if you've ever read the Gospel of Luke, starts with Luke telling us why he did it. He didn't do it just because he was looking for something cool to do, something fun, a new project. He actually tells us the why behind the words that are written in his gospel. And you can find them in verse 3 and 4 of Luke chapter 1. He opens the letter as simply as he can. Having carefully investigated everything from the beginning, I also have decided to write an accurate account for you, most honorable Theophilus. So, you can be certain of the truth of everything you were taught. It's interesting that Luke writes these words. We don't know Theophilus. We don't know much about him. We don't know. There's no books or other details about his life. Um, a lot of theologians and scholars have come to this, this idea that Theophilus may have been a high-ranking Roman official. Luke was a Gentile. He did not follow Jesus, but he learned of Jesus by following Paul, who encountered Christ. And so Luke, as a Gentile doctor, walks away from this world of being a physician, a healing one. That's, that's what his name means. And so he, he walks away from this, but he carries over the skills that he learned in detail, caring about details. And so Luke includes a lot of details. And I know that you may not have cared about all the details that are in Luke, you probably skim over a lot of them. You're like, I've heard this, I've read this, and you jump over it. Well, Theophilus would have cared about some of these things. Um, Luke actually uses the phrase most honorable a couple of times in his letters in Luke and in, in Acts. And every time he uses most honorable, it's to address a high-ranking official. So that's why they're kind of drawing this guess, this conclusion that Theophilus may have been someone in the Roman ranks who was investigating Jesus. And so he writes these words, and Theophilus would have cared about the details that Luke gives. You may not have cared that in a certain year, Augustus has this census done, and everyone has to go back to their home of origin to have themselves counted for, but Theophilus would have cared. You may not care that Quirinius was the governor of Syria, but Theophilus would have cared. Do you want to know why Theophilus would have cared? Because he could check those facts. See, you skip over the details because you're like, I heard this, I heard this, I heard this. But the truth is, if you want to perpetuate a lie, stay vague, my friends. If you want to lie to gain traction, don't give details. Why? Because you can research the details. If my son tells me that he's spending the night at a friend's house and he goes to Vegas... 
And then he gives me the name of the person he said he was staying with. And if the stories don't corroborate, they don't work together. I find out, caught in a lie, may have been one of you two. I don't know which one of you will go to Vegas first. But the point is, <laughs> if you're wanting to perpetuate something that is false, stay vague. The Gospel of Luke has a ridiculous number of specific details. And he did this carefully so that Theophilus could continue to believe the truth in which he had been taught. Now, Luke gives great detail about a certain group of people who forever will help us connect to the Christmas story. The shepherds outside of the city doing what they always do, watching sheep, this night would be different. And it's a good thing that it was different. I have wondered, the more and more I have looked at this story, if the shepherds were the perfect group for God to make this declaration to. See, you and I, we don't know a lot about shepherds or doing shepherd work or sheep for the most part, but shepherds have played a long, long history in the life of Israel. I wonder if they, shepherds ever sat around and wondered, hey, Moses was a shepherd, David was a shepherd, I'm a shepherd, maybe God's got something in store for me. I mean, it's interesting, the more you look at the story of the Old Testament into the New Testament, how often shepherds are referred to. They were looked down on by most societies, but it's interesting that in the 23rd Psalm, many of you who could quote verse 1, the Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. I wonder if the shepherds as children ever talked back to their parents, but mom, I don't want to be a shepherd. And in a good motherly way, they said, well, if it was good enough for Moses, it was good enough for David, but it's not good enough for my son. Shut your mouth and get out there and go take care of the sheep. <laughs> I wonder that if they grew older as they sat out there on the rock or wherever they were sitting to watch the sheep, if one would just get lost in daydreaming, man, Moses, God called Moses, man, God, God called David. And then Carl rudely interrupts Andy's daydreams. It's Carl, shut up. We're out here. We're stinky. Let's feed the sheep. And Andy's like, I can have dreams. God might use me too. No, he's not going to use you. I don't know. I don't know if they got into those conversations. I also wonder if the shepherds had a special insight into God's heart that you and I may not have had. I wonder if they felt the joy of finding that stream that perfect stream for the sheep to go drink out of. I wonder if they felt that, that excitement of finding the one shady spot in all of Israel for those sheep to take a good nap. I wonder if they rejoiced when they were like, we found grass, good green grass. Like, I wonder if the shepherds had a connection to the heart of the Father because he, they would understand in a deeper way what God wanted to do for all of Israel. I wonder if they had a connection to the heart of God and having to chase down and correct a wayward sheep. 
not to beat or destroy the sheep, but to actually help the shepherd, the sheep, stay alive, to protect the sheep. I wonder if those shepherds ever had the, the honor of standing guard over those sheep that would be used as sacrificial sheep. See, there was a rule in place for those sheep. They had to be perfect, without blemish. I wonder if the shepherds ever struggled with being perfect. I wonder how hard or, or, or difficult it was to go, you're one of those sheep, don't hurt yourself. Like, don't, don't jump off that, get off of that counter. Don't jump off of that, over that fence. You hurt yourself. You can't, be, you can't be used as a sacrificial sheep anymore. Just, you know, I wonder if they ever felt the weight of perfection. Like, I got to be perfect. These sheep have to be perfect. If they're not perfect, they can't be used. And I'm in trouble. I get blamed. How much did they have to care about these sheep who could have been used in the temple for sacrifice? I also wonder if shepherds knew the heartache that our Father in Heaven experiences at the loss of a sheep. Maybe the shepherds were the perfect group for God to make this declaration to. Maybe the shepherds were the ones who would be ready to hear what God was going to announce because they had a connection to him that would have gone way back. See, if you were in the Jewish community, you would know the Old Testament stories. You would also see yourself as, I don't know if I'm qualified to be a part of this. You would think yourself, I'm not the cream of the crop. I'm not the Pharisee. I'm not the guy who's the religious person. I'm the guy who sits out there with the sheep. But they were skilled and what they did. And maybe they were the perfect group for God to announce this to. When looking over the scripture, you begin to see that from the foundation of the world, God may have had it all planned out to meet those men at that moment in time, and he was totally, perfectly aware that they were an imperfect group of men. Maybe we get a little bigger picture of the Father's heart to let all peoples know the good news. They weren't the top students. They weren't the business owners. They weren't cleaned up. They weren't perfect. But maybe they were the ones who knew why joy was on its way better than anyone else. Verse 9 of Luke chapter 2. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified, but the angel reassured them. Don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior... Yes, the Messiah, the Lord, had been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. We are not talking about a fat Cupid baby angel. It's unfortunate that our brains have been warped and twisted to think of angels as these weak beings, these little guys in diapers running around with tiny arrows. I hate that that's what comes to mind. But every time an angel shows up in scripture, people hit the floor. Like they drop to the ground. Like I'm dead. That's what happens when an angel shows up. So there's something in us that's like, I would rather dumb that down so I'm not as scared. I'd rather it just be something cute and something nice. But every time one shows up, the first thing an angel has to say is, don't be afraid. Okay? First time, every time. 
So we know that there's something great and glorious and grand about this entrance. And the good news is that there will be great joy brought to all people. Do not fear was not the easiest thing for the, the shepherds to believe at this moment. Behold, I bring you great joy. I smell something new. It's different than the sheep smell now. What is that smell? Sorry. <sighs> That's what happened. I think sometimes we just, we're, we're, we're so like, oh, we just fly over all the, the, the story and we just miss the details. But do not fear was not on their radar. It was everything they had at that moment. And I'm thinking, if I'm one of those shepherds, okay, he just said he's bringing good news to all peoples. Okay, I'm one of those all peoples. So please don't let this glory zap me or kill me because then your statement wouldn't be true. Like, I would be all peoples dead. And I don't want to be dead. I'm one of those all peoples that this good news is for, and I want to rejoice. So, so please don't kill me. Don't be afraid. See, I think we miss some of the details because we become familiar with the story. Thankfully, the angel does not stay vague in his announcement. Thankfully, he gives great description, and it is the description of the gospel. Thankfully, the angel didn't say, um, okay, so guys, there's this really good dude who's been born. He's really smart, great guy, he's going to have a fantastic beard, he's super nice and kind. He's over there somewhere, somewhere. Let's go find him. I love that he's not vague. I love that he gives great detail and he uses the words like Savior, Messiah, Lord, all of these names that you and I are kind of like, eh, eh, oh, you know what? We probably need to change those words to be more relevant to our, to our culture. So let's just change them to like good guy, commander, president. No, but no, these words mattered to these people. The fact that they had been promised as a Jewish nation, they had been promised a rescuer. So when he says the Savior is coming, the one who will save people, a Savior reaches in and pulls somebody out who's in a difficult spot currently, or there could be disaster headed their way. So a Savior steps in and pulls people out. The Messiah is this big word for the one who is set apart and sent. So that, that, that word Christ it's not Jesus' last name. It's not Jesus Christ. It's not his last name. Christ means anointed one. It is, he is the one who has been promised by God, set apart, and sent. And Lord is this, this word that just means authority over all things and power over all things. And so the angel's going, this ain't no normal baby. This ain't no normal baby. And you're going to know it's not normal because he's going to be wrapped in swaddling clothes and placed in a manger. And I love that he leaves the last statement. He will be born in Bethlehem, the city of David, a shepherd. The shepherds would have looked at each other and gone, oh, this angel knows what he's talking about. That's like the city. That's not just a city he's talking about. That's the city. Remember the city of David? Like, we shepherds, bro. This is big news, man. This is, you know, this. Oh, right. Yes. Go see the baby. Got it. We'll go. And if that wasn't enough, all of heaven breaks through for this announcement. Verses 13 and 14 tell us, suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others 
the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, Glory to God in highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. What comes to mind when you hear that phrase, with whom God is pleased? I can almost guarantee you it's your behavior. See, God's good news wasn't going to be silently declared but all of the glory of God would be rolled out in this plan. This was an announcement that wasn't just going to be for one angel. It was going to be an announcement for all of heaven to say, look, good news is coming. Good news has arrived. And it is great news for all peoples. I'm one of those peoples. You're one of those peoples. This story continues today. The way the shepherds process this good news in many ways reflects how you and I might have heard it. First, you are bowled over by fear. If this is true, if there is a holy God who chose to roll back all of heaven and say, ta-da, I'm here, I'm him, our first response naturally should be to hit the floor, right? Fear and trembling, holy God, sinful man, holy God, totally different, not the same as me. I'm, I'm feeling strange about this. I feel like I should probably duck and cover because what I'm seeing is too great. I'm going to hide. I don't need to see. This is, this is appropriate. This is an appropriate response to the God of all of heaven revealing himself to people. But the joy of the good news is that when we, we see God reveal himself, so that he can also let us know that he's good and that this good news plan is an announcement for all peoples. Trembling is a natural and right and good response when we understand that there is a holy God and we are broken people. But the shepherds move from fear. Rather than running away from God, the angel says run right to him. The angel tells them to run to Jesus. Rather than running away because of our fear, our fear actually causes us to run towards Jesus. Our awe and our reverence goes, this, if this is God's plan, then this is different than what I thought it would. I, I mean, I thought this was, I'm coming in and I'm wiping everybody out. That's what we would expect. But the fact that God announces, I'm coming in, and I want everyone to come close. This is the gospel. This is why it's called good news. This is what we have been invited to be a part of, and that is our fear and our trembling changes to this pursuit of this God who said, come close, come on. I'm not joking. I'm willing to step into time. I'm willing to put on flesh. I'm willing to be laid in a manger, which is not a normal place to put a baby. You don't put a baby in a feeding trough. And the shepherds probably were like, that's not normal where you, you shouldn't, you don't, we don't put babies in, in, oh, right, you know that, but this is different. Okay, good. Okay, so we'll go, go see this baby now, right? Okay, good. Verse 15, when the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. They hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph, and there was the baby laying in the manger. What if the strangeness of the location of where Jesus was placed 
was given because God knew exactly who he wanted to go see this baby. What if? What if? The, you know, what if the scenario had been, the, the shepherds hear this announcement, oh, wait, where's the baby placed? In the country club? Oh, boy, I'm never going to get in there. Like, I stink. I got to go clean up. I don't, I, don't know, I don't have a membership. I can't get into that country club. Why'd they have to put him in there? How am I supposed to get past the walls of the country club to get in? I'm a stinky shepherd. How am I supposed to get in and see this baby? Scenario one. But we know that that wasn't how it played out. Scenario two, where is this savior born? <laughs> a, a feeding trough? <laughs> uh, you know that's not where, oh, you do know that. Never mind, you're, you're, you got this, right? I'll shut up now. Feeding trough, huh? That doesn't sound so bad. I mean, I already smell like one, so why not just walk right up in there? I ain't got no, I ain't got nothing. No, no let's do this. Cool, 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 cool. We're going. All right, let's go. We're going. Great joy for all peoples. These shepherds, I'm one of all those peoples. The heart of God is revealed in who this good news announcement is declared to. Luke finishes up the story starting in verse 17. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about the child. All who hear the shepherd's story were astonished. But Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. Verse 20 tells us that the shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. It was just as the angel had told them. How does the joy mentioned for all peoples in our text this morning make its way all the way down to us in history? Because the joy mentioned is for all peoples. You see, a Christ follower does not believe that this is just a personal, private, this is just for one person or just for you if you happen to hear it. We believe it's an announcement for all people in all places in all times. That the good news be declared that God has put on flesh, stepped in and come close to humanity so that we might know the forgiveness of sin and relationship with God restored as it was to be in the garden. The joy we're speaking of during Christmas is not a fake laugh or forced smile. It's not about having the most decorated you know, house on the block, as much as we like to think it is. It's not about getting everything we want for Christmas. As hard as that is for us to believe, our joy is different. See, the, the shepherds, they knew now that the Savior had been born, but they also knew why the Savior needed to be born. And out of that why, joy is produced. Matthew records this for us in, verse, in chapter 21, or verse 21 of chapter 1. He says, And she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. 
This is why the good news is good news. And we are so forgetful about how good this news is. God said, Jesus will be his name. Do you know what Jesus's name means? It means the Lord saves. So every time you say his name, you actually declare what God has done. But we're so forgetful. So he's like, I'm gonna make it impossible for y'all to forget that I'm saving you. But yet somehow we go, Jesus, now I save myself, right? No, Jesus' name is the Lord saves. His plan from the beginning is that he would bring us back into relationship with him. Jesus' name, every time you utter it, you are saying, this is what the Lord has done. The Lord saves. The story leaves us, letting us know that the shepherds went back to what they were doing before this announcement. See, just because the good news has been announced, it didn't take the the shepherds from shepherd position to the most eligible bachelors in Israel position. Like, it didn't take them that. It didn't change their financial status. They still went back to shepherding. They just walked right back to the things that they had been doing. But things were very different. On the outside, things did not have appeared to change. But The shepherds were different, and that is because they knew God's favor. They knew God's pleasure rested on those who know the truth of Jesus' identity, Messiah, Savior, Lord. Their circumstances may not have changed, but they were. God peeled back all of heaven to declare that the peace of God was possible And it would not be something that you or I can earn. It would not be something we could buy. It could not be something that we could work hard enough for, but that it would be a gift strangely placed in a manger. John 3.16 says it this way, and you could quote it. For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. God sent his son into the world not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. Romans chapter 8, verse 32. Since God did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? Who dares accuse us whom God has chosen for his own? No one. For God himself has given us right standing with himself. Did you hear that? God himself has given us right standing with himself. Your name is not included in that, in you doing anything to give yourself right standing with himself. God himself gave us right standing with himself. That is the most freeing passage in the scripture. That is why when we sing joy to the world, we seriously mean it. Because we have not done anything, but it was all God's plan from the very beginning of time to announce to a group of shepherds good news to all people that today a Savior has been born. One theologian put it this way, we can never really rejoice until we are sure God loves us and is favorable to us, undeserving though we are. This is why joy isn't about the forced smile at Christmas time. 
It's not about faking Christmas spirit. It's about knowing Romans chapter 4, verses 7 and 8. Oh, what joy for those whose disobedience is forgiven, whose sins are put out of sight. Yes, what joy for those whose record the Lord has cleared of sin. This is why the shepherds went back to their normal, totally different, because their source of joy had been locked in, like permanent. You see, this is what we end up doing in this life. What we try to do is we try to find our source of joy right there, right? So we like, we love we love this, or how about this? We like this. Oh, look at them, they're holding hands, right? Or this is our source of joy, the house, you know, whatever, the corporate ladder, right? We like those things, right? But see, what happens in this life is this. And then what are you left with? Nothing. You know what people with nothing do? They become insecure or self-righteous or proud or anxious. Right? This is what happens when we have nothing. But see, the beauty of what God's gift placed in a manger makes possible for us So yeah, I take a little pride in my money. Yeah, the perfect whatever, holding hands, the house, the corporate ladder, whatever it is. Because when this happens, because it does happen, this happens. You know that, right? I mean, if you don't know that yet, something remains. Like this is what the source of joy is. And this, this word, forgiven, it, it truly is those whose favor of God and the peace of God rests upon. It's not about having everything. It's about knowing I'm forgiven. The, the Christmas joy is not about having all of these things and being, being worried about all of these things. The Christmas joy comes from knowing that though everything else in the world might disappear, chances are it will, the one thing that will not is God's pleasure and favor over me because of Christ Jesus. This is why Christmas joy isn't about the fake smile, because there are many of you who are walking through difficult times right now. Christmas joy is anchored in knowing that the pleasure of God and the favor of God rests on me, not because of my works, but because of Christ's work. The baby placed in a manger lived a sinless life, died on the cross, rose from the dead and will return as king. This is why joy unshakable 
And this is the source of joy unshakable, is what we sing, it's what we declare. And so as the band comes this morning, Romans chapter 5 says this, Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand and we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. In Christ's life, God's favor and peace is shown to us, joy is stirred in us, and we respond as the shepherds respond. You will go out these doors back to your current situation. Chances are magical fairy dust has not obliterated all of your problems when you walk out those door, that door right there. The circumstances may not have changed, but we have been changed. This is the beauty of joy, is that though everything else may fall away, the one thing we know that will not is our standing with our Heavenly Father. And that on this side of eternity or the next, we will see all of those promises made complete and full in Christ. Good news to all people. Jesus is born. Jesus lived. He lived sinless. He died the sinner's death. And he rose again from the dead. And he will return as king. I can't think of a better song to sing than Joy to the World. I can't, because it really is the source of joy. So this morning, I don't know where you stand. Maybe you have been putting all of your chips in one bag, whether it's the, the money bag or the, the perfect family bag, the perfect boyfriend or girlfriend bag, the corporate ladder bag, the perfect home bag. You, there may be other bags you're trying to put coins in that I don't even know about. But the beauty of this joy that's unshakable. And I am begging you, I am begging you to hear the call of the Father to place your trust in the one he placed in the manger who did not stay a baby but will return as king. Father, we love you and I ask that as your people we would turn from the things that we think will give us great joy and we will respond to the shepherd's voice who will guide us to green pastures, who will guide us to the streams, who will guide us to the place to lay down and rest, who will guide us to life. And I thank you that you invited the shepherds to be a part of that story. The people who are on the outside and the fringes of society, you have consistently used in the scriptures to tell your story. And I love that. May you be the one who changes our narrative about you, about our role in this story, about the church. Would you allow us to see that this is good news, great joy for all peoples. It's in your name we pray.